Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. All the things, gut issues that are Hashimoto symptoms are also symptoms of mold exposure. And mold can flare up autoimmune conditions. And it's not only mold, it's the byproducts of mold, which are mycotoxins, VOCs, alcohol, aldehydes, mainly mycotoxins, which are much smaller than a mold spore. Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. Today on The Less Stress Life, I have back Dr. Emily Kybird, who's a chiropractor, mama, and founder of Thyroid Strong, a workout program for ladies with Hashimoto's. She also helps ladies with Hashimoto's get to the root causes, including mold exposure. She's been on her own mold healing journey for the last eight years and shared the good, bad, and the overpriced, heavily sampled mold inspectors and sloppy remediators. I was just telling her that this is her Jesus work. (laughs) I I didn't say that. It literally is. It's like a gap that needed to be filled. And I will often send clients who are feeling defeated in trying to figure out where mold is coming from to her profile because I think she's doing a really good tactical job of, hey, here's what it looks like. Because remediators and inspectors, good inspectors are a bit of a challenge. And not very long ago, I see this a lot. Had someone have an inspector come over. The inspector found nothing. Within a month, she's, I was getting something out of the closet and there was clearly like water damage in the ceiling and mold in the ceiling. Like, how do you miss this? So that is unfortunately common. So here is Dr. Kybird back to tell us about her most recent mold remediation story because she's been through five. Not my first rodeo. (laughs) Not your first rodeo. And I have, I help clients, I help them find good mold inspectors and good remediation teams. They should be separate, just FYI, those two people. And you'll have you know, you'll call mold inspectors and they're like, what tools do you use? I have a list of questions that I have my clients ask to find a good mold inspector. And I literally have people come back to me. He says he uses a flashlight. (laughs) I'm like, anything else? (laughs) And it's just mind blowing that 
There are people out there that are running this business trying to help. There's so many people. Mold is so prevalent and so many people get exposed and there's so many sick buildings and water damaged buildings that just being a high quality mold inspector, you would have so much work. How prevalent do you think it is? Because I think about what the prevalence is in my patient population or my client population. And I would just, if I had to really be super loose about it, I would say maybe 20, 25% of people in practice are affected, I would say at least. But it's hard for us because you tend to attract sometimes the the conditions you're addressing. It's like, oh, if you really look at it, it's, oh, I think I have fungal overgrowth. Like, is it? Or is it actually mold, which is just more aggressive fungus? Yeah. I think it was the EPA that put something out in March of this year saying that about, I think it was around 70% of buildings are water damaged. Granted, they were only sampling 100 buildings, but that's a lot of water damaged buildings. That's pretty awful. Yeah. And is it, a lot of people ask, oh, should I look into a newer building? Maybe there's less water damage events. Newer buildings are thrown together very quickly. I've seen buildings two years old that have water damage. But then if you go with an older building, there's more potential for history of water damage. So it's very tricky. Okay. So we're not only going to talk about mold today. We're going to start there. We're going to talk about your remediation stuff, some of the the ways you found it. But I also want to talk about the Hashimoto's component because I love common denominators. And later we'll talk about like how these things are just super intimately connected and is the root cause of the Hashimoto's some other inflammatory thing like mold, which it sounds like it was for you pretty much. Oh yeah, 100%. So the most recent mold exposure event was we moved into a rental in August, mid-August of this year. And there were certain physical signs in the house. One of them was I have a humidity reader in every single bathroom and the humidity reader would be at like 56%. And yes, you're thinking, okay, maybe there was a shower. I'm in Colorado. It is super dry. And for the humidity to be at 56% and no one had showered all day, you're like, that's weird. Like, why is there this excess moisture? What's the normal? I also, you want it sitting around like 40 to 44%. If it goes up to 50% temporarily, intermittently, that's okay. You don't want it above 50, you don't want it sitting above 50% for long periods of time. I also have a dehumidifier in our bathroom because there's not an exhaust fan. So in an ideal situation, your bathroom would have an exhaust fan. You shower, you pull the exhaust to the outside. We don't have that in the current house, even though it's a 2002 build. So I had a dehumidifier and it would fill up. I'm like, why is this thing filling up? It's not like we're taking like hour long showers here. So that was like the first sign. The second sign was in the toilet bowl, the water line would get moldy. There'd be like this mold ring and I would clean it weekly and it would come back within a couple of days. So that means there's mold in the air collecting yeah. in the toilet. And then the third sign, which was the actual sign, was so there's a master bath above and the kitchen below. And there was probably a spot diameter size of 12 inches that suddenly appeared. My husband's, we'll just monitor it. And I'm like, oh no, we are going to figure out what that is. There's the paint was basically bubbling away from the ceiling. Obvious water damage. You have two options in this situation. You can bring in a mold inspector or you can hunt around yourself. Because I've done this five times before, I was like, let's just hunt. My physical symptoms were also present. So not only physical symptoms in the building, but things that you would not think of. I had itchiness on the outside of my ears. I felt like I had to clean my ear, which is common. That being a dead ringer. Yeah. (laughs) Increase like white 
a candida coat on my tongue in the morning, bad breath in the morning, increase in bloating after I'd be eating. And the kind of telltale one was at 2 p.m., I would crash. It's like someone turned a light switch off on my brain and I would have to go horizontal immediately, which is for me, my telltale sign of mold exposure. When I was cooking under that water spot, I would sneeze. I was like, that's weird that I'm like sneezing every time I cook. Run the exhaust fan while I was cooking, still sneeze. So those were my personal physical symptoms. Mold, zaps your mitochondria. So it makes sense that it's causing fatigue. Mold is lipophilic. It loves fat. Our brain is mainly composed of fat. So it makes sense why it causes brain fog. Conventional medicine will see mold as sinusitis. Mm-hmm. some allergy symptoms, but the symptoms are much greater. So I have a moisture meter. I bought one from Home Depot and it lit up like a Christmas tree. Like you put it to it and it went from like green, yellow to red. And then I started you to You just fall. set it against it, right? Yep. You just set it against it. You can also, if you have wood studs, there is another kind of moisture meter where you can also pull off the top and there's pins and you can shove it in the wood to check a stud. And so then I started to follow along eight feet across the ceiling where there was no water damage signs and it was lighting up. And I was like, oh, God, okay, here we go again. Because this has been going on for eight years in different houses in New York and then in Colorado. And people in Colorado are like, it's so dry. It's fine. It's not fine. Yeah. Mold can grow within 24 to 48 hours. So the next thing I did was I took a thermography run. So basically detects differences in temperature. So it's showing you behind the wall a difference in temperature. So if it is cooler in a certain area, probably means there's water damage. So I took out a thermography gun, that's about $300, mm-hmm. and it was blue. So blue and purple are cooler, red, yellows, orange, and warmer. It was like blue all the way across, eight feet across the ceiling. Even though there was no water damage signs, eight feet away. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, okay, we can either hire a plumber's going to tear open the ceiling, potentially expose the whole family to mold and spread mold particles all over the house. Mm -hmm. Or you can take a boroscope, which is basically a camera attached to basically a camera attached to a tube. And at the other end is the image. So you can drill a hole the size of a Sharpie stick the scope in and just check around and see what's going on up there before you make a decision on, do I hire a plumber or do I hire a remediation team to seal this off Mm -hmm. so that when we do open up the ceiling, it is not sending fragments of mold and mycotoxins all over the house. And this you can get for about $80, right? I saw this on your, because this is really great freebie that I downloaded last night in preparation for our call. And yeah. you recommend you link out to the moisture meter, which is, I don't know, 30 bucks, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, like and 30, the, 50. Yeah. yeah. And then the boroscope, which I would have expected to be much more than $80. Yeah. So very accessible. Here's what I am upset. This is why she's here, because people get stuck when they can't find this. And you're being super practical of like, here for $100, you can start to figure it out on your own. Which is, yeah. I mean, there is nothing you could do for less than $100. This is a great, like you could never hire anyone to do anything good for $100. Yeah. Like just to have a mold inspector show up at the door is $500 base minimum. And they might just bring a flashlight. Who knows if they're bringing more. Yeah. And I really encourage people to look around their house. Is there bubbling paint? Is 
the baseboard pulling away from the wall? Is there like the slightest water stain? Is there separation in the drywall? Like these are free things that you can do to start to look for water damage. Because in my experience, having worked with five different mold inspectors, some not so great, some the top of the line spent 20 grand on them coming in and pre and post samples. Not a single one found the source. And the whole goal is to find the source. I don't care how many Ermies, dust samples, air samples, air cavity samples, swabs you do. At the end of the day, all of that is to help you find where is the source? Is it a humidity issue in an HVAC? Is it mm-hmm. a roof leak? Is it a leak behind in the, the ceiling for the tub? It, whatever it is. And I think sometimes mold inspectors, especially the more expensive ones, get a little sample happy. And you're like, wow, I now have 15 grand worth of air samples and I still don't know where the leak is coming from. And you're in your dirt work on the outside. We've had this also because we did all of, we built our house. So I'm just so intimately connected with all of the building yeah. materials. Yeah. Um, at times where we were redoing things or putting, anyway, anytime something got moved around, anytime outside and the dirt looked fine, but it wasn't sloped perfectly, which is totally. very easy to have happen. It's actually yeah. a real pain in the rump. It would come straight in the basement, which I don't yeah. have any flooring in much of the basement. I have it in two bedrooms and then a bathroom where it's like some linoleum. But I really don't. And I used to care about that stuff. And now I'm like, good thing I don't. And I used to care about like having a sheetrock ceiling in the basement. I have a drop ceiling. Now I'm like, oh, thank God I don't. Yeah, right? exactly. So much easier than cutting out or whatever. Oh, my God. I don't Finished mean basements you. are a nightmare. Exactly. A nightmare. And that's yeah. the thing. If I build something again, I'm like, I think I'm not going to have a basement just because. But I'm not sure. Yeah. There's so much around doing a good job with the drain field, which I also was a component of. The totally. Drain field, getting all the water away from the house, monitoring anything that looks like it could be sitting against the house, especially if there's a basement. If it's not a basement, I don't know. But then also you brought up this great point. It's like, who designed the bathroom without an exhaust fan? And then there's just a lot of things in Colorado. Those vents could get blocked with ice. There's so many stupid little things that can happen. Or one of my stories is we bought a house where people had dog and like this carpet just smelled like a wet dog when you would shower and yeah i replaced the carpet got rid of it and the people were like yep that was just and that wasn't a house i was living in but it's so many little places and i would like to say it could be something big could be like this big bubble eight feet across like you're experiencing or maybe it's something smaller and one question yeah. i have for you because you have these telltale physical signs what yeah. about your son and your husband what were they experiencing anything or not because that happens a lot too sometimes you get a whole family symptoms And then sometimes it's just the one person. Yeah. So it presents in my son as dark circles around his eyes, a little gray shiner right under the eye and on the inside. I notice that as a mother, if you ask my husband, he'd be like, he's just being a seven-year-old, but a little bit like more ragey and aggressive and his eczema flares up. So that's how it presents in my son. And my husband, he has sinus issues, insomnia that he thinks is normal, but I'm like, it's mold. So it does show up in them, but it doesn't show up the same way, which is really interesting. So yeah, for me, it's like exactly. crash, fatigue, like I cannot get off the couch. And my husband's, oh, I just have a little bit of like sinusitis all the day. Exactly. I totally understand. <laughs> Going back to what you were saying about the exhaust fan, think about New York City. All those apartments ideally would exhaust the outside, right? You're pulling the moisture out to the outside. Very few apartments in New York City, if you think about a building, if every single one had an exhaust fan to the outside, 
no apartments in New York City have that. They all exhaust up above the drywall. So you're having, you're literally using the exhaust fan to pull it up into the ceiling to then sit there. So I find New York to be very moldy on top of everything has a flat roof that no one checks and probably leaks. Who thought that was a good idea? I know. And all those buildings are like from the 1800s. I know. And there's this bank next door across the street from my office. And I've walked in and I was like, does anyone else smell the mold in here? Is it just me? Like, I know. With this flat roof? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Okay. So here's where you were. You were on Boroscope. Go ahead. Yeah. So we're on Boroscope. And the irony is so many landlords and so many, even just people who own houses, they're like, I don't see mold. No point on on this current journey that I see mold. I didn't smell mold. It didn't smell musty. There was no signs of like typical mold. So to the boroscope, my husband's looks okay. It looks okay. And then he's, oh shit. And I'm like, like my, my heart just sunk a little bit of like a PTSD, probably fight or flight response. And he's, yeah, it's black. And then I was like, okay, let's look eight feet over here. And he drills a little hole and he's, yeah. And I was like, where the laundry room on the other side smells. Were you drilling the hole where this water bubble was or where were you at? We were at the water bubble and then following the moisture meter, I was like, it says it's wet over here. And just know moisture meters will light up on metal. So just to think about if there's like metal behind the wall, it will light up. So then I was like, okay, how about eight feet over here? And it lit up. Or he put the hole in and it was like black on top of the drywall. And so I could have brought a mold inspector in and I have in the past, but in this scenario, it was like- Decided to save 20 grand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no amount of inspection. It was so extensive that I was like, let's just bring a remediate. Let's put our money towards a remediation team. Totally. Which, and this was underneath the master bath, then, right? This was Should underneath the master bath. Distant with how things go, right? Yeah. So brought in a remediation team, $1,200 a day. It was a 14-day job. And they put plastic up. They put negative air pressure. So they're pulling out an air scrubber. So they're pulling the air to the outside, but it's getting cleaned through a HEPA filter. And they go in with hazmat suits and goggles, and they're starting to pull out the material, and they're sending photos. So we're basically living in a construction zone. But ideally, things are not getting outside of that containment. And they get to the subfloor of the bathroom above, and they pull down the subfloor, and it's black. So we know it's coming from the bathroom. We turn on all the faucets. Nothing's leaking. The shower where there's glass and then there's a little seam. The little seam, it was literally an inch, was not caulked properly. It wasn't like silicone sealed. The water was getting in, going across the glass, dropping down to where you would step into the shower yeah, and literally like pouring out. This sounds but- so easy to have happen in every other house. Yes. Spread probably two feet from the shower on the subfloor, spread to the toilet room next door so they had to tear out the toilet and tile and tear the drywall out in the master and start. Ideally, you tear out the water damage material. But there's certain things you can't tear out that are structural. It's like a board. Oh, yeah. Not even a board, like a joist or a stud, like a wood stud. Yeah. And so then you have to scrub that thing. And so they have to put hydrogen peroxide, not the 3% they can get in the store, but like one that actually burns like a 13 to 18%. And it will bubble the mold, pull it out of the wood. And then they use a wire brush to like basically scrape it out. And then they HEPA vacuum and then they pat. 
And sometimes you have to do that four times over. And you basically are doing that until when you pat, there's no mold coming off in that like microfiber. And so if it was just pulling out the material, it probably would have been like a three-day job. But there were so many studs that needed to get scrubbed that it was a 14-day job. And so I brought in a mold inspector post because I was like, let's test to make sure it's all gone, that nothing's coming up in an air sample or a swab. This is in Colorado, right? This is in Colorado. And I used a great company, Mold Inspection Sciences, and came back good. So it meant, hey, the remediation team did a good job. And this is why you want them separate. Because there are some companies that do inspection and remediation, but you want a third party afterwards to assess the work separate from the person who did the work, right? Because hypothetical, let's say it's the same company. They do the remediation, they do a post-test, and it comes back positive. Now it looks like they didn't do a good job, yeah. right? So you want those two people to be separate, your inspector and your remediator. And yeah, and then we had someone come and like recock and it was not they were still testing to see if it was leaking and the tub was still leaking so they had to pull more tile off and redo it and then they just finished yesterday putting all the drywall back and oh you didn't you have to have a separate company come and do the construction yeah so that was another team so it was probably like a 20 grand job oh easily so there's a couple issues and i live in a pretty rural place not yeah, Colorado. First of all, how did you find the remediation company? For years, I've been recommending Microbalance products to my clients to help them clear mold from their homes and bodies. The creator of Microbalance is a practicing ear, nose, and throat doctor that's tested their unique formulas to kill mold, but not other microbes, because he's found that over 90% of those with chronic sinus issues can have fungal or mold issues in the sinuses. I've even found small amounts of mold can cause everything from skin rashes to food sensitivities, throat clearing, and so many other symptoms. So if you'd like to try anything from Microbalance, you can get 15% off by using the code less stressed or by downloading our free checklist of 10 easy ways to reduce mold in your home at kristabigler.com forward slash mold. And I'll also include the code there. I love Microbalance's sinus sprays and their laundry additives to just remove smells and molds from fabrics. They really do help make things easier, whether it's trying to test your home for mold or just reduce the exposure in your everyday appliances. So you can grab that checklist at kristabigler.com forward slash mold or use the code less stressed at microbalance.com for 15% off your order. Yeah, so I have used mold inspection sciences in the past for other houses in Colorado that we actually bought that are fully water damaged. And so it was one of the inspection teams that they had recommended. And they had recommended three. I called all three and I just drilled them with questions. And I was like, playing dumb, but knowing the answers. So how do you clean? Like, how do you get mold off of something that you can't remove? If they say bleach, move on, find someone new, right? Because bleach is 3% hydrogen peroxide and mainly water. So bleach will actually feed mold on a porous surface. Other questions I asked were, do you use negative air pressure? Do you use an air scrubber? Do you create the containment with, basically there's a containment, but then they create like an extra room to take off the hazmat suit so they're not spreading it from your space from the containment. So I asked, hey, like, how do you really make sure you're not spreading mold particles. What grade hydrogen peroxide do you use? Do you use wire brushing? Some people will use dry ice blasting. 
And so they'll blast an area with dry ice and then it will. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit overkill and it's, I think, not as refined. I think there can still be residual mold because they're not doing the whole padding and double checking. So just those kind of questions. And also availability. So there are remediation teams I have tried to get a quote from for six months and have tried to have them show up. (laughs) And they're like, so these guys were like, hey, we'll show up next week. I was like, great. Let me ask you some other questions that are really common. So you just put $20,000 into a house that wasn't yours. How's that working out with the landlord? (laughs) The landlord covered it. Wow. Yeah. And so I think that is the blessing in this whole situation. Do you think that you approached that in a certain way to help the landlord cover it? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think a couple things. The landlord is newer to renting this house. And I think a landlord that has more experience knows that these things come up, that these are investments in their space. A lot of landlords don't want to put that money in. They'll just find a new renter. I approached it as I'm going to try and do this the most cost-effective way. So instead of bringing a mold inspector in and then remediation, we know there's mold. So let's save it for a post-inspection, post-remediation inspection. And I was also like, listen, I have kids. Like You open this up. We're all really sensitive. We're going to get really sick. And he was very empathetic and he covered the costs and he actually gave us like a discount on rent for the months that there was construction because we didn't have a kitchen that we could use. We were like cooking on an induction plate (laughs) or a master bath that we could use. So I'm very grateful that he covered it, but I would say that is not the norm by any means. There's there's another document you could add to your masterclass for opt-in. It's like how to talk to your landlord about the mold, right? And I think you're coming in with a lot of experience though too, so. Yeah, I don't know. I just want to bring that up. Have you experienced trying to get homeowners insurance to cover mold remediation in the past? I've heard. I have. It doesn't cover mold. (laughs) It doesn't cover mold. It will cover a water damage event, but it doesn't cover mold. So I'll give you an example. We bought a house in 2020 in Colorado and it's a 1977 house. We're going to do a little bit of work. We tore up the floors. The whole house is water damaged and it's actually a siding defect. Basically, There's warped wood siding, insulation, plastic, and then drywall. So all the condensation's coming through, hitting the plastic, dropping onto the subfloor. And we tried to get insurance to cover it. And they're like, this is, it's not a water damage event, a pipe burst. They would cover that, but not something where it's like a structural building event. They'd probably cover like a leaking roof, but insurance doesn't cover mold. Unfortunately, in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about these meters and how it lights up on metal. And I wonder if we think about, we both live in a colder climate. And so I'm wondering if you put that moisture reader on an external wall, if that can be skewed sometimes, probably. I would probably use a thermography gun for that, just to see a temperature difference. I did. We just went to Bali, super humid. We have a house there. And I brought my moisture meter and it is so humid. It lights up on everything. Like every single wall, it's just so humid. How do you feel about that? How do I feel about that? It's really moldy there. And you don't want to build... Everything has a Joglo roof. Like the water drips off. There's no flat roofs. So don't build a house in a tropical climate with a flat roof. Yeah. Or really anywhere. I'm not sure about this, but I wonder if some of them... So I have a client with a house in Hawaii and she was contemplating this as well, but it's almost there's like open air in some of the buildings, like where there's little bars or whatever, but they actually like the ventilation is substantial. 
<laughs> yeah. Because, and so that's, I think, that's maybe part of what you're looking for is ventilation opportunities, yeah. right? That things aren't yeah. sealed up so yeah. darn much. Um, yeah. How did you learn about the tool, which tools to grab? Because it's a very cost effective. This is one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on because so many people just get stuck on trying to figure out where it is. And I think you have just lived and you're just kind of honestly paying it forward in some aspects and then also helping people with this, yeah. which is really great. It's again, a gap. And so mm-hmm. how did you learn about some of these tools that were really not very expensive? Yeah. So by the third mold inspector or the fourth, I just follow them around in their inspection, like literally for five hours and ask them questions and see what tools they pull out. And it's interesting because a lot of the sampling, for example, in Ermi, a mold inspection company, they'll charge you $500. Well, an Ermi is $240. You can buy an Ermi test and do it yourself from a company like Envirobiomics. So part of it was just going through it. And the first couple of times there was like PTSD and I like could not be in the house when they did it. And then by the third, fourth time, it's like a muscle you flex. You're like, okay, I can like, my nervous system can handle this. And I would just follow them around and ask them questions and be like, oh, what model of thermography gun is that? I also really enjoy watching home inspection Instagram reels. Yeah. You will learn so much. And there's actually uh, a woman in California who does holistic home builds. And we'll talk about the whole process from a holistic perspective, like how to check your lumber before you actually frame your house because there can be mold on the lumber. So yeah. This is actually my like dream thing eventually. Like I think this would be I think it's a fun niche. You probably have more opportunity, like you probably have a better market for it in Colorado than I do in South Dakota, but I'm like, I think holistic Airbnbs sound really nice. You know? Yeah. Like, th- Airbnbs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, that was, I like watching home inspection Instagram reels when I'm not doing everything else I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about how Hashimoto's and mold symptoms can overlap. Um, and let me start with this one. I had this come up this week and to me, oh, so someone said, I know that this person was working on mold remediation in her own home. I Mm. don't know everything about her mold remediation. I know that she was personally working on it with her spouse and I know little about the whole remediation process, but she let me know, hey, I got my labs done and my thyroid antibodies are elevated. And I'm like, of course they are. So what do you want to say about this? (laughs) Yeah. So every single symptom of Hashimoto's is a symptom of mold exposure. And then I would say the mold exposure symptom list is like four times as long. So weight gain, brain fog, fatigue, hair loss, all the things. Gut issues that are Hashimoto symptoms are also symptoms of mold exposure. And mold can flare up autoimmune conditions. And it's not only mold, it's the byproducts of mold, which are mycotoxins, VOCs, alcohol, aldehydes, mainly mycotoxins, which are much smaller than a mold spore. And so you breathe those in and they get stuck in your lungs, goes up your nose, can really affect your brain. And that is what you test when you're testing for mold. You're testing for mycotoxins, which are byproducts of molds. So yeah, I would not recommend a personal DIY remediation because even if you do all the things, even though I did all the things, I, I still felt like I had some exposure, even though was, there was containment and I was running air filters like all over the house 24-7 in every single room. I still was like, oh, I feel like I need to get out of the house. I have a little bit of brain fog still. I need to take some binders. 
And so to do it yourself, toxins can get through the skin. So I just think I wouldn't do it. If there was one thing I was going to spend my money on, it would be the remediation team to come in and do it. I know you knew about this remediation team. So I just want to ask this question again from a different angle. There are some sources, websites that may have some decent remediators possibly, or what, how do you recommend people going about finding a remediator that doesn't? Yeah. So ICI, so I-S-E-A, like the C-I.org is a great source for remediators. Envirobiomics, which sells Ermes and swabs, has great resources for remediators and like mold specialist doctors, as well as mold inspectors. And they also list them by state, which is nice. There are some mold inspectors that will travel all over the country. If you really oh, yes. you know, want to find a good one and you feel like you're in an area that doesn't have a good one. Yeah, I like ICI.org. I did have a client tell me, though, recently she did have one of those inspectors that came in and had the experience that you mentioned, which was, let me take a zillion air samples. Here yeah. it's $15,000 later. Yeah. So I think when you do your own like home assessment, and then let's say you do a urine mycotoxin test on yourself. Yeah. Certain molds really like certain building materials. Citronin is com it's a yellowish mold is commonly found in HVAC systems. So I just had a client come back and she has like citronin in her mycotoxin test. And so like make sure the mold inspector is looking in your HVAC. I can't tell you how many mold inspectors don't look at HVACs because you gotta open it up and it's a pain. And to look in your ductwork. So I like to, this is my process, inspect your own house, use the gadgets that I recommended so that when you do bring in someone, you can guide them because the history of your home, that two months ago, there was a little water spot because, you know, the mold inspector is literally only looking at your home from the four to five hour window that they are in it. They don't know the whole history. So I like to do a little home inspection, urine mycotoxin test, see what comes up based on those mycotoxins, guide which building materials just to really double check and make sure they're looking at. Some like more like a drywall, some molds like more of a flooring, some molds like concrete. So using that as a guide and then just making sure the mold inspector is really thorough. Like I would follow them around. I would ask, hey, are you going to do an air cavity sample? Not just an air sample in the room because an air sample in the room only gets about a three foot radius, right? So if your room is like 20 by 10 and there's mold in you know, the far corner and they're doing an air sample on the other side, it's, it's going to come as like a false negative. There's also mold inspection dogs that for people who have had multiple remediations that have failed, so they've done the whole remediation, done a post-test and still don't feel good, will bring in a mold dog and that mold dog will pick up areas that sometimes an inspector won't pick up. Yeah, yeah, I had not heard about a mold dog for a long time. Okay, in sheetrock, I just have this question. You talked about putting the pins for the moisture meter into wood, et cetera. So with mm-hmm. sheetrock, when it gets damaged, it can then spread. And so they're supposed to take out two feet around the sheetrock. Yeah. Can you probe the sheetrock and tell where it's growing usually? You could probe for the moisture. But I think the idea with removing two feet around the actual spot is that there could be itty bitty mold spores that you can't physically see. The idea is to just be extra 
and just remove a little bit. You're already removing. You're already going to have to put that drywall back. Might as well just do about a two feet from either side of where the water damage is, just in case there's mold particles that you can't see. Yeah. But yeah, you could put a moisture meter in check, but it's it's only picking up moisture. It's not going to be picking up mold necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. I had a thing happen this summer where I was gone and the utility room leaked into the bathroom next door. And the nice part is that I can see behind the wall. It's in the utility room. And I removed the trim, which was a problem, but it was against the sheetrock. And I just haven't fully dealt with it completely. Yeah. So I would cut up like two to three feet. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I think there's this like, when we see our house, it's structurally, I don't know, perfect. It's put together. It makes sense. It's compartmentalized in our mind. And so sometimes I was like your example I have a client who did the same thing she's oh there was flooding in our garage and I like took off the base like the molding I'm like take off three feet up and there's this idea that our house is structurally good I don't want to ruin it but once you go through this process a couple times anything can be deconstructed like drywall is not that expensive might as well take off more just in case because your health is so much worth it and then just put drywall back on I felt that way when I was yeah, first, yeah. I was like, oh, the wall and cutting the hole feels so overwhelming. Now I'm it just is. like, cut it's that thing out. Tiring. <laughs> like tiring. this whole process, even though you knew exactly what you were doing, when did this start? And then you just wrapped it up. Yeah, it started Labor Day and it's December 5th today. Yeah, so. So, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Okay. So what do you, would you say to someone who's living in an environment with mold? So this person's identified that they're living in a moldy environment because of their symptoms. They don't know where yeah. it is for sure. And they just want to move out, but they're struggling, struggling to find a different place. So they're just feeling defeated with the symptoms. What's your advice to that kind of person? I would make it a priority to find a place to move to. And if you can't move, whether it's financial or housing is really expensive right now, rentals, I would try and be out of your house as much as possible. So we had mold in New York. We couldn't find the source. We still lived in it for a couple of years. And the only way was because I was working out of the house 12 hours a day and probably out of the house 14 hours a day. So I was just getting less exposure. I try to open my windows. I would run air filters. It's not going to make it better 100%, but it can decrease the load. I personally would probably be taking some gentle binders, depending on the person, how sensitive they are. I know some doctors will say, we're not going to start a mold protocol until you're out, until you're exposure. But I've done it for myself where I'm getting min- I am getting exposure and I'm still going through a mold protocol and still going about my day and yeah. thriving. Yeah. I think you don't have to let it defeat you and you can bind up active mold. It's just a matter of am I active exposed? Then I probably to me, I think actively doing a little bit of binding with a plan to exit and maybe even doing a little bit of mold killing if that's what you need to do with a plan to exit is tends to work. Okay. It's just a matter of that's what I've seen just yeah. from experience dealing with it. And that was a question I had for you is you've come in and out of mold a few times. And so how have you managed your own protocols or symptoms, et cetera? Do you want to talk a little bit about how healing has regressed and progressed a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So on and off of binders, different binders go with different molds and mycotoxins. Some binders I do really well with. Like I do really well on a cholestyramine. Clays kill me. Like I feel like death. And I'm okay with charcoal. 
if I've been exposed, I'm making sure my detox pathways are open. I'm making sure I'm pooping, peeing, drinking water, sweating. I jump in a sauna. I have a therisage in the house. Take some liver support supplements, glutathione. I also am focusing on foods that are natural bile movers and binders because I have been on binders for years at a time when I was in New York. Like I was taking cholestyramine four times a day, every day for like years. And I did feel like nutrient deficient because it's not just binding to mold, right? It's binding everything. Yeah, yeah. Saunas, getting out of the house, getting fresh air. I'm not on binders constantly now. Like even after this mold, last mold event, I haven't put myself on. I, I will take some charcoal, but not anything more than that. And I feel okay. Yeah. Take some supplements for brain fog, for energy. And reasonably. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to just like deconstruct forever. And I would say, thanks for bringing that up. That was by my comment was binders with an exit strategy because you can't just live on binders for the rest of your life. In my opinion, you could. Yeah. It's very depleting, as you said, right? Because it's binding up lots of things. And so that's the tricky part. We can't give you a one sentence answer and call it good forever, right? You still have to deal with the problem. Yeah. And super constipating. And then ladies with Hashimoto's already have slow motility Motility. in their gut. And then you're taking binders and yeah, it's tricky. And I think people get stuck when they're like, oh, I'm on the protocol. So... I don't have to exit. Like exit strategy should be like top of the list, right. in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. 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 Every time I encounter a mold that we didn't know was there with a client, which is unfortunately more common than I wish it was. I wish it was like a commonality of zero, but it's a yeah. lot more than that. I eventually have to teach them here's what you can do, and you're going to need to go work on this because it doesn't make sense for you to pay me so you can work on this environment at this point. You saw what success looked like. (laughs) And so here's where you're at to maintain. You need to exit. And then if you need help, come back, basically, because it's to your point and you knew what you were doing. It just takes a while sometimes because it's like you're coordinating several things. Yeah. And people get stuck. Like, I don't know if your client, like they get stuck. Like I have, I've had a client for two months we knew mold from the beginning, got the results of an organic acid test and a urine mycotoxin test. I'm like, so when's that remediator coming? Right. And it's a mental challenge as well. Yeah. yeah. Or you can't even get them. And so it's cool if everything just lines up. But it's not always like that. There's always like yeah. a, you have to dedicate some time to it. I like to tell people that it's okay to understand this and to be aware of it because no one's immune to it. I mentioned you offline and I've mentioned this several times. I've had four water intrusions this year because we had a major hailstorm last summer. And so you just keep finding spots that were compromised. It was like, oh, oh, I got water in here today. What's going on? So anyway, and actually they weren't all related to that. One was related to this. We put in a water filter and then it leaked. That was why Mm. the bathroom got affected. I'm like, I get to choose between my health, the water. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and whatever so try to find some humor in it and be like yeah. it's gonna be fine i have some tools i have some tools to deal with it people have different feelings about different things i have an ozone machine for different uses and so that has been a tool for me to mitigate things while i yeah. work on the real remediation because at least it kills yeah. the top in the short term it's gonna yeah. go back but at least i can deal with it in that moment which was really helpful the day i realized that it was spreading all over my house because the hvac was in the utility room that was affected oh. literally smell it i was like oh my gosh you must solve it so anyway experience is worth a lot which is why you're here thank you so much thanks so, it's not if it's when exactly yeah. it's gonna happen like a water something like you said it's gonna happen so be prepared have the yeah. tools know how to look at your house 
People take better care of their cars than they do of their houses. Like Try houses need a lot denial. of upkeep. Yeah, don't be in denial. Know yeah. that if it was wet for 24 to 48 hours, there's probably a mold situation. Yeah. So, yeah. I just really appreciate the little tools you gave because I think one of the stuck points is how do I find this? And then so many inspectors are just not. You could maybe do a better inspection sometimes than some inspectors, unfortunately, has been my experience living vicariously through the clients. So if you had to wrap and provide a few words of wisdom to the person hearing this that really needed it, any comments? And then where can people find you online? Yeah. If you're struggling with symptoms, like you've worked with a provider and you've worked on gut health and you're still not feeling great and you have some of the things that we've talked about, physical symptoms or symptoms in your building, take the next step. Your health is worth it. Sometimes mold can create such bad brain fog, we forget what our normal feels like. Yeah. And there is an other side, right? And it's hard to move forward with fatigue and brain fog, but just keep walking forward towards your health. I have a couple resources. I have a free mold guide. Which, and it's good. It's really good. Oh, thank like you. You've got these lovely photos. You link out to some of the products you mentioned. It's great. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. I have a mold masterclass that is could be its own entire course, but I was like, yeah. and moldy. it's so reasonable. You should buy it's like it. $37. Yeah. And people love it. And it, it's like start to finish from detecting it to healing to getting it's it out of your such home. such a public service. Yeah. Yeah. So I can give you those links. You can drop them in the show notes dremilykyberg.com forward slash mold if you don't see it in the show notes. Yes, is the free guide and then slash mold masterclass is the masterclass. Cool, perfect. Yeah. And she's got some great content on Instagram. That was when I first saw your stuff where you were like, this is how I found it. I sent it to lots of people. See, I'm not trying to be crazy. I'm just like, hey, she's doing a really calm job addressing this. She's got her head above her. So thank you so much for that work. Yeah, Took, took eight years to get there. Yeah. Thank you for being so generous with your knowledge. It's really appreciated. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life and you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post. So if you'd like to try anything from Microbalance, you can get 15% off by using the code less stressed or by downloading our free checklist of 10 easy ways to reduce mold in your home at kristabigler.com forward slash mold. 